Hello and welcome to another episode of the Midiera Meets podcast, where we speak to a wide range of people from the music world. On the show this time, we have Dove Deb from Infected Mushroom, who are one of the biggest electronic acts in the world. They've been making dance floors go mental across the planet for the last 25 years, and they continue to do so with their genre-defining psytrance sound mixed with all kinds of other influences. There is a GoFundMe page for the podcast if you want to donate. There's also a Ko-fi page if you want to just throw me a few quid. Uh, that would be fantastic. Okay, let's get on with the show. And the first question I asked Dovdeb was about his musical beginnings. Well, I, I, I grew up in a musical family. My father used to play the piano and the accordion. So uh, I used to hear music all the time. My brother also learned piano and was kind of a early day rock of uh, actually UK rock and, 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 and new wave, you know, used to listen to Pink Floyd, Genesis, all that stuff, Peter Gabriel and stuff. So I grew up on that stuff. Um, and uh, then later on kind of formed my own uh, taste in music that came from there to heavy metal, punk, and then eventually to electronic music. That's cool. So did you say you have, did you have older brothers? So I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest. So, and, and both of them are older by far. Like my middle brother is nine years older than me. And my bigger brother is 15 years older than me. So I, when I was born, I was born into, and went into the, I went into their music kind of vibe, you know? So yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's why. <laughs> Nice. I think that's always great, isn't it? When someone's got a sibling that's like a few years older, you, you get like a really advanced education in music. You skip all the stuff that maybe you would have got into. and You know, advanced education and not what your parents are hearing, which is usually a big difference uh, than, than what you are uh, for your upbringing. So for me, I had my two brothers that were listening to a lot of good stuff and uh, I grew into that. Excellent, excellent. Wow. And so, um, yeah, when did you, what sort of bands were you into in your early, in your early days? Well, I used to listen, you know, uh, when I was younger, uh, the, the start was, again, uh, Pink Floyd, Genesis. I used to listen to Pete Townsend. Then I moved to Depeche Mode. Gary Newman started the whole new wave for me kind of vibe. And then I started to go into new wave and punk. Uh, with a lot of bands that, you know, Dead Kennedys, Cross, uh, all these kind of bands, and then kind of started actually even DJing uh, New Wave and punk with vinyls and, and, and started collecting that. And then I remember, I think it was, I don't know when Ride the Lightning by Metallica came out. It was, I think, 80-something, 80 81 maybe or or later. I was just blown away from that album and shifted completely to heavy metal because of that. Album. <laughs> yes, that specific album turned me completely. And then I was a metalhead for a few years uh, with a band. And I had a first band called Inzim when I was 16. And we were like kind of rock metal and uh, did that for like two years until I enrolled their army. Wow. And what was it about that Metallica album that 
grabbed you so much to I think to it change. was I think it was the guitar riffs that I've never heard before something like that you know uh it 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 was a sound because I used to listen to rock to new wave and stuff like, like the early days but to hear guitar riffs and so aggressive and so well 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 produced to 81 then it became even worse with master of puppets and all of those uh, and then I followed a lot of heavy metal like Pantera and stuff like that. I was blown away with this aggressiveness in the music. And that captured me completely. And I was 16, aggressive, Israeli. And that suited for me uh, a lot until until I heard first time Psytrance, which was like two years or three years later when I was 17 or 18. And then I was blown away from that because the same reason, the same aggressiveness came into electronic music. And me as a keyboard player, I fell in love with that and shifted back to kind of more electronic vibe. Yeah, right. Do you think, because um, I guess the, the maybe the tempo, was this sort of tempo? It's not only, it's, it's, like it's tempo, tempo, for sure, aggressiveness, and uh, a, a building of Psytrance it's similar to tra- to heavy metal that it's not really lyric song lyric song it's like a abstract kind of in the early days at least kind of abstract building so very similarities between heavy metal and psytrance and later on as infected mushroom even in the first album uh, you know uh, none of this is real stuff are really with also already with distortions and stuff like that so we brought it straight away even in the gathering uh, these influences in and of course later on a lot of trash metal came into our music with the guitarist and, and all of that yeah. Mm, yeah you also mentioned Gary Newman in that list of influences in the beginning um, yeah he's obviously a hugely influential artist to, to a lot of people um, but yeah his latest album uh, Savage uh, is incredible uh, it's it's like an epic film score um, but you also mentioned distortion it's heavily distorted from the first sound in that Gary Newman album it's it's just nasty and it he was a, you know it, 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 these are you know the whole 70s uh, electronic vibe was Moogs and all these kind of massive analogs that is super easy to distort and still keep on an on a on a level of a sound so Gary Newman and all that new wave kind of vibe uh, back in the UK again was amazing and it blew me away. And, and then it became, from that, I took it more to the poppy side of Depeche Mode, which was still electronic to my best, but the songwriting was so good. And I fell in love with Depeche Mode and those in the beginning, straight up, and then was a huge fan of, of, of their stuff for the early years. Excellent, man. Yeah, amazing, amazing artists. And so if you went from like DJing New Wave and playing sort of um, punk or metal bands, can you remember when you first heard Psytrance? Where was that? Well, definitely. That was in a party. Uh, I was like 16 and a half and a friend of mine told me, hey, you got to go. We got to go to this club in uh, where we used to live in the north. They're playing this uh, music. You got to check it out. So we went there. And we didn't understand what this music is, you know, because we come from heavy metal and then we come to a club and it's like a disco kind of, you know, acid trance back in the day. This was the year of, I say, when I was 16. So it was uh, 89, 90. 
trance was kind of acid acid house acid trance it was not really it's came from europe so and we heard this music for the first time and and we said we don't get it you know and then next week we went there again and again and eventually that 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 kind of took us away uh, but it took time it was a lot of tb303s i remember acid and stuff so i i fell into it very quickly but it took a lot of exploring in the beginning but when i was hooked that's that was over for me <laughs> mm, yeah i definitely like the late 80s like acid house was huge and um like you say the tb303 was just so iconic it was in like so many it was almost in every track every track and 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 and, and for me it was like again aggressive i liked the sound and uh it was straight up and i wanted more and more and more definitely and even you i guess you had tracks that were like that crossed over into being a bit pop like higher state of consciousness by josh wink um, but again, also, yeah, you had the distortion, which which people would run pedal through 303s through pedals and get like really gnarly, really dirty acid lines. This was this was what I came into it. And then when I started listening to a broad bunch of trance, then I discovered so many other bands from Europe at that time. And then I dove straight into to do the music. Excellent. So um, so you make. Uh, as Infected Mushroom, you make music with Erez, and you've been together many, many years. Twenty fifth year, um, twenty five years this year. <laughs> wow! Congratulations, man. That's that's incredible. Um, what a partnership. Yeah. Um, what was it? What was it in those early days that sort of connected you two together as like a group? Well, definitely our upbringing. You know, both of us come from classical training. Uh, pianos and keyboards and when we started doing trance together we really liked the melodic side of it that's one thing the second thing is we came from a, a, a part of israel in the north and we didn't know anything about sound we didn't know anything about keyboards we just knew to play one keyboard and Ares was really savvy back in the day with a computer so we basically started doing music only with the computer, which back then was completely taboo and nobody wanted a part of it, you know, because we did it because we had no money. So we and we had no keyboard. So we started doing music on a program called Impulse Tracker, which was a bit 64. You used to write numbers to do the the, the tracks. Tracker, yeah, I'm familiar with trackers. Yeah. Yeah. So was it? Was that on Commodore or? Well, it, we what, did the Commodore version, but it went then to a PC, you know? But yeah, it was on Commodore. So we started doing music like that. So even inside the Israeli scene, we were something completely weird. Nobody wanted a part of us. And, and we brought our classical music and it was very melodic and stuff. But at the same time, it, it blew up our style in Israel like fire because we had such a different sound because it was like computer sound and we were so different than anything else. So the moment it started hitting the dance floor from kids and from small DJs, it it spreaded like fire. And we, we, we didn't know what's going on, you know? And uh, that was our early days. It was very unique how we used to walk and combine together. And then from that point, 
we wanted to just learn and learn and learn. So we brought our first keyboard, then more keyboards, then more Cubase One came. Then, you know, and, 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 and we started, we brought our first console. So we were learning uh, sound through making music and not vice, not first learning sound being then, then really. So we were just learning and learning, doing, doing, doing. And of course, we had all the time in the world. So we were like 24 seven into infected mushroom. And this was the early days and it was, uh, I call it fun and games because we really didn't know what we're doing and we didn't care about it, you know, because we just did it. Yeah, I mean, creatively, that's an amazing place to be, isn't it? When you sort of don't know what you're doing. And it's not only don't know, you don't care. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think that sort of fearless, like, adventure into the the horizon is like, yeah, you just don't, you don't know where you could go. And um, yeah, magic, magic can happen. Um, what would you say were like, it, those early tracks, how would you describe those early tracks of yours that were like... Well, we call it, we floor. call it super, in Israel, they call it nitzchonot. That means uh, glorious. It was a, it was a, it was a very happy psychedelic trance, like super happy. It's fast. It was very fast. 150 BPM. Wow. Very. 145 to 150. Very fast with weird sounds and, and, and happy. And people fell in love with it in Israel and it became... We, we kind of... I'm telling you, each time we went, we put out a track for a few friends the week after all of israel kids they knew it and we we were blown away it's not, it was not internet times you know it was like yeah. From, yeah so we we were blown away and we didn't like that music so much because it's not really what we wanted to do because we didn't know what we're doing it just came out like this i think the gathering is the first album uh, that took us like two years to kind of find our sound, you know, because in the beginning we were just shooting. It's like and people fell in love with it, but we we were not really. This is not what we wanted to represent, so that's why it was not even infected mushroom. It was Duvdevenares, Duvdevenshidapu. We were called. We, we we didn't have a name yet, you know. People loved it, but we didn't. So I think the gathering is the first album that really. It is the first album, but it also represents the first sound of infected mushroom. You must, I mean, it must have been, it must have been quite difficult, I imagine, to sort of um, control your ego at that stage. If everyone just loves like everything you put out across the country. We were, it was vice versa. It was very easy to control the ego because we had no ego then because we were still, Eris was living with his parents and I was, and I was working in two jobs just to kind of have money to be in a studio. So we didn't know. And first of all, we were blown away that somebody signed that album because the gathering, every record company in Israel threw us away. Nobody wanted it because nobody understood that album like that. It was never been submitted before to any label. It, there was astral projection in Fonico, but that was very more melodic than what we did. So nobody kind of grasped the, the opportunity. 
And when somebody signed that album, B&E Records, and wanted another two, we were blown away. We said, wow, somebody wants that. So ego was not even there, you know? You can talk about maintaining ego when Classica Mushroom came and we became a huge band everywhere. Then we were like, what? But again, we were so young, we didn't know what we were doing and we just didn't care because Psytrance scene was so underground. So we had the underground vibe to it. It was no fancy club. There was no hotels. There was no agent. There was no, when you used to go to a party, you used to sleep in the promoter's house. So it, we come from a place, ego came way later on the career. I see, I see. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing like thing to have done just to have that sort of journey. And I think it's also quite a, it's a really good story for people who are maybe coming up through the music industry or starting out to like not give up, you know, because even even hugely established artists like yourself, who's been who's been in a partnership for 25 years, like at the top of the game, um, even even you've had people saying we don't want your record in the in the beginning, you know. I always tell to musicians, they only will tell me, what's your big advice? I just say, just produce so much music. Don't care if people like it or not, because eventually one track, not necessarily the track you think is the best, but one track that you did will hit so many people and you will be blown away. You won't get it, you know, but you you have to do the music. You have to believe in what you do uh, and do as much music as you can, because it will get better. Your early days are maybe rough and unique, but it's not what really you want to put out, you know? I always tell that to people. People go like, hey, maybe do another Gathering album. I go like, well, I can't go back to being 20, crazy Israeli, and no and, and no, no responsibilities in life and, and produce an album. I can try, but it's not really me today. I'm influenced from other stuff, and many years have passed, so I produce what I like today. And, and that's why the, the sound of Infected Mushroom is always evolving, always changing. And luckily enough, uh, we do it uh, for a living for so many years. So we technically can do basically music-wise whatever we want. And that's, again, I lacked out in that, that uh, part. But in the beginning, just do as much music as you can and put it out there. Excellent. No, that's really, really good advice. Um, you mentioned earlier on about the those early tracks, and I think it continued throughout your career having like weird sounds and odd sort of trippy, trippy things happening. Um, yeah, what sort of things were you putting into tracks um, to start off with just to test the reaction? You know, me and Ares, uh, back in the early days, we were learning so much about analogs and computers and samplers. So we just put the weirdest stuff out there. I remember in the gathering, you hear loops that we cut it from Akai. Uh, they were so out there to that time because everybody was using an 808 and all that stuff. And we came and put samples in an Akai, then transferred it into impulse record, the sound was not existing then. So it was very advanced. When I hear it today, I go like, wow, how the fuck did we do this loop? And then I remember, so it was really advanced. And and, 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 and then we bought our first dope for system and we wanted the weirdest sound. And then we, we were always looking for that weird sound. But the main stuff for us was A, the melody always, and B, how hard it will break the dance floor. This was the theme of infected mushroom 
not only in the early days, it's until now, but in the early days we were younger, we were aggressive, and we wanted to go to every festival or party and play with other big DJs and just destroy the dance floor. That was our thinking. And uh, this is what driven us to do such dance floor music at that time. Amazing. Well, you, I, I think you've certainly achieved that goal. Um, I mean, people... There is a quote I wrote down about you saying... Um, um, over time, we continue to incorporate our signature sound to different genres with a goal of making people go mental. <laughs> yeah, you know, that we wanted people to forget about their weekends and go so hard on the dance floor. And on those days, we were still surprised in each country we come, how so many people, A, know us, and B, know every track and go mental. We were like, because again, this was the only internet when we started was, this was Kaza and then previous Napster. It was not such a big thing that you put out a track today in YouTube and everybody knows it. Uh, uh, right. So I mean, we, we were blown away. <laughs> I, I loved them. Yeah, I mean, the people. I guess people would call it sound design nowadays, like what you were doing with putting trippy vocal effects in and playing things. And the funny like, thing like, is, it was sound a sound design without knowing sound design. So <laughs> it's like it was sound. I call it experiment, experiment, because we were not. We, I couldn't tell you why a Sotus moves from here to here back in the day. I would just do it, and then some people say, "Oh, you did this and that." I go like, "I don't know how I did it. I just." With a few. I didn't know. This this is something that came later on. Sound design we learned while doing it. Yeah, man. Well, I always I always say to people who who don't make music or who or who aren't like you know proficient in making electronic music or production that like anyone can make sound. If you've got like a portable recorder, you can get weird sounds and you can chuck them together and you can make beats and and anything you want. And like. today it's very, it's way easier than back in the day because back in the day there was no recorder. You have to take a microphone, boom, out, then put it into the Akai sampler, which was advanced, and then chop it for hours, then try... So today, you can do so much by just doing, you know, you, you have a laptop that is basically a portable studio to everywhere you want to go. You just hook a few things to it, you can do as much as you can, and then just have good speakers to put it out. Uh, but uh, yeah, we come from a different time. But uh, again, I love both times. I love the easiness of today uh, that you can just produce everywhere you are, and that's why well, we we still produce so much music until today. Yeah, man. I, I've owned a few Akai samplers over the years myself, and um, you're turning that jog wheel yeah, all the time. All the time. To, all like, the time. the sample just, and, yeah. and yeah. typing yeah. all the digits and go through the menus. Yeah, again, go back to the decay, releases and all that stuff, chopping it, staying there. It, it, it was fun, you know, it was fun doing. but It was fun, yeah, absolutely. And and I think always you you ended up getting amazing results with the time that you put into the, with those samplers. 100%. You play something back that was either, you know, time stretched and it sounded fucking incredible insane or, or yeah or just you pitch something down and you had these weird artifacts coming in yeah. alongside it yeah so it's always worth that time i think of course of course yeah 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 um so yeah i mean you clearly made music for the dance floor um yeah like all over the world at an unbelievably high level what would you say are like the key elements to making music for the dance floor like what does the dance floor need 
Well, again, lucky enough for me, because we became such a big band, I visited dance floor all around the world for the last 25 years on a concert basis. So A, you know the trends, B, you see what works on the dance floor or what not. So you can actually test a track and if it, if it works great, if not, you can change a little bit of stuff and try it again. So it's a trial and error. And until you don't care about the trial and error, or you do, depends how are you as a creator. But I was we were lucky enough to visit so many dance floors and also see the similarities and difference between countries to countries. And again, dance floor, as much as people think it has no rules, it has a lot of rules. <laughs> and uh, that's the beauty and the non-beauty of any kind of electronic music for the dance floor because it has rules. And to dance a crowd, you have to have the rise, the drop, in each kind of, uh, in techno it's different, in trance it's different, but this stuff you learn. But again, in the be- in the early days, I wasn't thinking about other scenes. There for me, there was nothing besides side trance. I used to see, oh, this is a big techno, I, I, I didn't care, I didn't know because I was not into any other thing besides Psytrance. So I was only trying to make people in our kind of scene dance. And then only later on I realized because I brought so many influences from heavy metal, from new wave and stuff, that a lot of people that don't like Psytrance listen to Infected Mushroom. I didn't realize that in the beginning. It took time to kind of even realize that other people listen to that because this is super Psytrance for me, you know? But then I heard a lot of people, oh, I don't like Psytrance, but I I used to be a goth when I was young and I liked this track. So I used to go, I said, oh, okay. And then when came BP Empire, our third album, it was it was a dance floor album, but it was more progressive uh, Psytrance. And then people got like, oh, Infected can do that. And then of course, when came Converting Vegetarians, which was a chill out album that opened another door for us. So I think the longevity of years and the ability to realize a dance floor and do what we like again, uh, helped us capture a lot of crowds. Definitely. Yeah, I can imagine it being so valuable going to like Russia and seeing the crowd react and going to Brazil and seeing the crowd and react. Japan, and Japan, back to-, to South Africa, Germany, Israel, and, and, and we were all over the place, Mexico. And, and, and it was different, but we we fell in love with the with the party aspect of it and just continued making music for it. Yeah. I mean, you've toured prolifically over the years. Um, You must have played thousands of gigs. Thousands of gigs. And this is the weirdest year I had in my entire life. Uh, First year of non-touring at all uh, for 25 years. Uh, it's, it's It's been a blessing for being with the family and doing music because lucky enough I had so much time in the studio and I was creative some some artist was not creative in this time but it's the weirdest years for me ever because I'm used to living on a plane and on the road that's what I've been doing for so many years and when you took that away from us it's it's weird and 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 I, and I believe it's weird for every touring musician uh, uh but uh again um um, hopefully next year or the end of this year, uh, we'll go back and um, and enjoy that part of 
uh, dance floor and creating music uh, again. Yeah, I think um, it's just that hope of when it returns. Yeah, well, it will it, it, it will return at some point, but for us and I think for everybody that kind of feel the vibe, it will not return as it was. It will return different. You will have to adapt. And also the music while you have to understand that people that didn't consume music for dance flow for two years, unless they were dancing it at home or doing exercise with it, their whole vibe changed. The whole scene will change. Uh, and, and we don't know what will work. And because it's such a prolific event uh, to take people out of dance floors for two years, who knows how it's going to come back? You know, some of it will come yeah. back as before, but a lot of things will change. And anyways, I'm very well looking forward to go back. <laughs> yeah, you're going to absolutely smash it when you're allowed. To I'm ready. I have so many tracks. I'm ready. Let's let's go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, prior to that, um, I think I read that you were having like 120 gigs per year which is just incredible. Like, what are the... I mean, yeah, I mean, you're an amazing live act. Um, like you say, like, everyone around the world knows Infected Mushroom. Like, I've got friends who are into drum and bass, and they only like drum and bass, and they still know who Infected Mushroom are. So you've, had, you've got this amazing ability to just, um, um, yeah, just propagate the music industry. Uh, like, I don't think any other... I don't know if any other, I can't really think, maybe The Prodigy, I guess, would be up there. I think there. The Prodigy will be up there. Uh, of course, Pendulum is up there as well, even though they're more driven to the drum and bass scene, but they crossed over for so many. Again, it's the uniqueness of sound and it's the, the little details we put into the music that you don't have to like our genre to like Infected Mushroom. Again, uh, I've done so many details and so many songs that... They say, oh, I like this song, you know, but it's not necessarily Psytrance or Infected Mushroom style. So uh, it's the diversity that we put into the music that I think that captured so many people. And again, the longevity and again, being real to what we do, because we never went too extreme in the pop side. We never went too extreme on the commercial side. We, we dove, but we didn't go all the way. So, and I think people always uh, appreciate that in once that we always kind of in the underground scene and they appreciate the, the 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 time and effort we put into the music after you listen to it a few times you just get it so a lot went into it you know Definitely, it is. It is quite infectious. Um, like, well, it's that's a, that's a that's a stupid thing to say. But it's infected mushroom. It's infectious. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but it is infectious yeah. music, isn't it? Yeah. It's like when you if if like say you're at a festival and you walk past the stage and and you can hear psytrance. It just like I think there's something about the, the how clean the production is. Like it's so pure. It's always just clean. Not too much bass and not too much. It was very mid into your face clean not too many uh well there's a, a lot of layers but they're all very well produced usually and um yeah it captures a lot of ears definitely man definitely um but you have also done a lot of collaborations over the years 
with the likes of um, um, Paul Oakenfold produced one of your albums. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, which album was that? That was uh, the Legend of the Black Shawarma. He was in the production with uh, Smashing the Opponent that we did with Jonathan Davis from Korn and another track in that album. And then it came out on uh, his label. Paul and I are good friends here in the LA community. When I came to LA 16 years ago, he was the first here when nobody was here in LA. And uh, there was a few small, very DJs that were playing here for hundreds of people that now they're bombastic. Steve Aoki, Cascade, um, um, DJ AM and Paul. This was the beginning of the LA community. There was nobody there. And then Infected Mushroom came and we just rampaged the whole country because we we were like a band. And the Americans, they just ate us for breakfast. So, And Paul became a very good friend. And the beginning days of LA, after I produced Vicious Delicious, which were was the biggest album of Infected Mushroom until today. So this was the first album produced here in LA. Right, right. Um, yeah, I guess Paul Oakenfold is like, he's been a trendsetter all his life, you know, sort of. Forever. But those early Happy Monday, like his remix of Hallelujah. The first time I met him, the first time I met him here in LA, he knew everything about the UK trance scene. He knew Martin, uh, Men With No Name. He knew knew so many stuff of the English, you know, uh, back in the day. Uh, Green Nuns of the Revolution. He knew everyone. Simon Passport, of course, the hallucinogen tip crew. And I was blown away because he comes from a different kind of, you know, scene than me, than Sai. But, and we became friends, friends until today. We actually played a drive through here in LA one month ago together. And him, Cosmic Gate, and us. It was fun to see all the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Nice, man. Yeah, Cosmic Gates also, uh, um, I used to have a, I used to have a, like DJ a little bit and I used to have a few Cosmic Gate records they were pretty sort of like hard trance like really banging hard trance yeah. nice man you you mentioned Simon Posford there who is um, a hallucinogen correct um, and you said in a previous interview that that was one of the most challenging collaborations that you had I wouldn't call it challenging when when Infected Mushrooms started uh, hallucinogen Simon was our biggest hero in trance, even way before Spongo came, which was also brilliant, but Hallucinogen and the Tip era, Tip Records, we were so influenced and we were so, you know, for him, for us, he was the main guy producing a side trance music. So when we met him uh, and, and did a track with him, we were blown away and, uh, and he was like he was liking what we did, which we didn't get. And it was it was challenging because we came to the UK. We spent time in his house doing a track over there, taking us out of our elements in Israel of doing a track. So it was a bit different. But again, uh, he we we learned so much from him, and he was so advanced at the time in his way of thinking about psychedelic music. Uh, not only at the time, then came Spongo, which was unheard of at that time. And we were blown away again. So a visionary in the electronic uh, side trance and any electronic producer is definitely Simon Passport. And uh, we were, we're still, we're friends today and we talk a lot. And, um, you know, he's a big, big influence on Infected Mushroom. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Um 
I, I, I listened to a bit of one of his Spongle live concerts today. I've not really been familiar with it, but yeah, it was really amazing. Really, like lots of instrumentation. Insane. So band. many, so many uh, amazing musicians from the UK. His guitarist is, and you know, it's uh, Michelle Adamson that sings on the album, which also sang on Infected Mushroom album uh, a few times. He's a good friend. And the whole team, Raj. I know Raj from the Goa days. I used to, you know, live in Goa for a few years. So, Oh, did you live in Goa? Yeah, I, I spent 95, 96, 97, almost in those years, like half of the year in Goa, half of the year in Israel. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. What was it like to live in Goa? What were those years like? So those were crazy years. This was, this was my time. I was released from the army at 95. Straight away went to India. Spent there the first time, one year and two months. Was blown away from the Goa days. Was blown away from the in in India especially, and I kept I kept going back for ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Then I stopped uh, my backpacking days and all my stuff, and uh, and started. In fact, the mushroom was blowing up. So I go to India now every year to do shows, uh, but it's it's not the same since I used to live there and be there and and. It was so different than what I remembered, but I love India. So, and Goa was amazing. Yeah, India's an incredible place. It's it's full of like really beautiful people and um, has a sort of a magical- Correct, spirit. some mystical spiritual thing about it. Correct, because it's a very old place. Each time you go to a very old place, there's an old memories embedded in that yeah. place. Like you go to Jerusalem, you don't know what's, what is about it, but that's a city that is already here for 6,000 years. So it's, it's a lot of stuff are embedded there, you know? So you feel it the moment you get into it. Oh, but then you go out and move to Tel Aviv. It's a better, it's a better place. But I'm just saying, all, all these old places, there's something mystical about them. Definitely. Absolutely. I um I lived in Siberia for a year. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, I was teaching English in Siberia and yeah, when I walked around at nighttime, there was this really there was exactly what you're saying. There was this like intangible feeling in the air of history of like Yeah. It was yeah, it was really incredible. I, I've never felt anything I actually like played that. there a few times. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. What is the most, in terms of like the most far-flung location, what's the most sort of, um, yeah, what's the, what's the weirdest or furthest out of the cities you've ever played? I played everywhere, from forests to located beach. Uh, of course, in Brazil, I play um, Universal Parallelo, which you have to take a you don't you cannot get there you have to take a, 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 a helicopter just to fly getting in i played in so many remote locations and uh i played everywhere in this planet that is possible uh for an israeli and um and uh yeah it's uh, it's been it's been a journey <laughs> absolutely man like yeah to be i think to be one of cuz two times you've been in the top 10 biggest DJs in the world yeah and like that is an incredible feat on its own because like we're we're just we're on this planet and you're like some of the best in the world that must be like it's such very an very feeling. insane and it was very difficult on those years but you know I was very into the charts back then and um 
And yeah, it's I, I, we, it came as a surprise even when we when we came first time to the DJ magazine first time first entry of infected mushroom was to the number twenty four, and then I remember my manager is calling me, hey, you're twenty four in DJ mag, and I asking what is the twenty four DJ mag? What, what what is this? I didn't know, and then he explained, and then we go, wow, what what are we doing there? And then next year we came twelve, so I got a, a, these are all fans of infected mushroom putting us there. We didn't campaign for it. We didn't do anything. We didn't know that, you know. We just, so yeah, it was it was a big thing, and then we moved to the top ten higher and higher. It is uh, it's it, back in the day it was an achievement of what we were doing fan wise because it was not really about promoting it. And then later on over the years it became more of a promotional thing and stuff, which is still important. And some people dive a lot into it and stuff. And uh, it's important, especially in Asia. For those markets, um, for if you want to play a lot there, you have to be kind of associated with the DJ Mag thing, and uh, yeah, it's it's it was it was cool when it ha- when it, when it happens, yeah. Yeah, I just think that's so good that like on this planet you are in the top, t- like that. Yeah, I just can't imagine how how cool that must be. Yeah, it is. Is, is there any pl- where where feels like home to you when when you're playing a gig? Where feels like well, home is always home is always. In the last 16 years, home is LA uh, for Infected Mushroom because family is here, studios are here, and we produce here. But a home show is always Tel Aviv, you know, because Infected Mushroom, of course, Israeli, always dressed the Israeli banner behind us. Not that we are ambassadors of Israel, but we are the unofficial ambassadors of Israel. When you talk about Infected Mushroom, the name Israel comes up. So... Israel is a home show. When we go there, the shows are nuts. They're huge. We have such a fan base. And each time I go back, which is not home for me today, it's more of a thing. I, 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 I remember how strong and how small and how devoted is this country for Psytrance music. Yeah, it seems to be from what I know from speaking to uh, my Israeli friends is um, electronic music's like really big there. It's really it's the thing. thing. It's, it's the thing. The rest is like okay to pass the time, radio and stuff like that. But when you go out on a weekend, you, you there is only techno, psytrance, house. It changes, you know, it varies, and that's what everybody goes to. The the rest is like like dubstep, which is huge in the United States. It's also quite big in the UK. But huge in the United States is a very small thing in Israel. Very small. We have Asaf Borgor, which is an Israeli that does a lot of dubstep. He's very big here in the American market. But in Israel, it doesn't bring a crowd because Israelis don't care about dubstep. Just don't, you know. So <laughs> I don't know why, but you just don't. So, um, uh, so Israel is such a devoted country for psytrance and techno, I got to say today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess there is a fair bit of crossover between like techno and psytrance. Um, do you do you take into account that your fans may be sort of intoxicated? I just sort of sort of this weird question, which you know, like most people, when you're playing music to a crowd, they're going to be, uh, you know, in in whatever state. Like, do you take into account that maybe people are like tripping their tits off when they're in well the it's not that's like... not even taking into account i see them on the dance floor that's quite obvious <laughs> yeah. uh people are intoxicated and stuff but i gotta say you know i come the the early days of infected mushroom when we hit was in like 96 97 these were much more intoxicated days than today 
people think that this generation now is intoxicated, they're dreaming. The beginning of Psytrance, like beginning of every kind of other scene, like with rock was the doors and all this stuff, was only about intoxication. So today, people are intoxicated everywhere, in every place you're gonna go. So in Psytrance, they are. Do I take it into account? No. I always do the music that the most sober person that I know will dance to it. Because if he dances to it, then the guy that is tripping, <laughs> that's easy, you know? I always look for the dance floor to dance the most sober dude on the dance floor. And if I do that, then the rest <laughs> will be very easy. So I know they, they people intoxicate, every people, people just do that. And, um, and it's a phenomenon to itself, but it has nothing to do with the music. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fantastic policy to go for the the guy that's completely sober. Sober, I see him, I see him, I locate him, and I make him. <laughs> then the rest is easy. That's fantastic, man. I mean, you mentioned the doors. Then um, you 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 did also have a project where you you got all of their stems. Not only all the stems, I did it with the living members, with Raymond Zerak, with the with with Kroger. Everybody came and we produced uh, uh, remixes to all their tracks, and I got the Jim Morrison original recordings, and we did a full. A full, yeah, it was insane. It was an insane project. And what's fun about it, they wanted it as psychedelic as it be. So that even and and for me, what's funny enough, I, I didn't grow up as a Doors fan. I got to say I'm more again. I told you I grew up more on the UK kind of Genesis, Peter Gabriel and all that stuff. But when I got the recording and I met the people here, I fell in love with the with the time, the era, of course. And where they lived, Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles is where I live, you know. So the, all of the, and then Red Hot Chili Peppers recorded there, and the whole the whole music scene of LA grew up in one street, which is Laurel Canyon, which is basically where I live. So I kind of in Californication, the the TV show is about that. Air. It's anyways. So the Dolls project was insane. Uh, it was so much fun to do, and they're, they're, the guy that is managing the living members and hold the estate is a very good friend of mine, Jeff, and he managed me here for the first year, and that's how I came about uh, that project, and it was fun to do. Yeah, I can't, I mean, the only time, the, the Crystal Method did a remix, they did a remix that has um, Jim Morrison in it. Correct. Um, yeah, which is probably the only example I can think of of like a dance track that's that's used the doors in any way. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, you must have been like a kid in a. Oh like yeah, a, dude. A it was it was insane. It was insane. We did it, and we. I remember when we put Riders on the Storm on on our album. It came out on I think in Army of Mushroom, the last track. We had performed it here in LA, and the band came and performed it with us. It was it was insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shit, man! Wow, that's that must have been awesome. Yeah, um, you did also have Lady Gaga, like we took one of your records. We did uh, uh, the, her first track of the previous album, I think, was Aura. Uh, uh, the opening track was by made by us, and it technically was it was a collaboration between us and Zed. 
we sent because Zed is a friend of mine and I sent him the track and we started working on a collaboration and then he calls me and he goes like hey listen dude that Lady Gaga is here she wants this track I go like what and then he gave me the phone and she literally said hey I want this track I love it and I go like and then my management said, hey, they said, okay, whatever. And she took it. She wrote lyrics to it. She did the lyrics in the song. And, and the song came in her album. Uh, but it didn't start as a, a Lady Gaga track. It started as a Zed collaboration, which I really like Zed as a producer. Today's the biggest pop producer here in the... He, he's, the he's the Calvin Harris of, of the U.S., and uh, 100% is huge and uh, uh, I like him and I love being and, and the track I, I love the instrumental version we did and what Lady Gaga did with it was also cool yeah yeah I mean you can have like there's no higher accolade than one of the world's no. biggest pop stars going I like that track I, I want, want this <laughs> I want this yeah yeah <laughs> that's fucking incredible man um yeah, and what when you're in the studio now? Um, obviously, you sing on a lot of your tracks now, and you. But I guess you've always you've always put little vocal parts uh, in your albums and things. Yeah, you have an amazing presence on stage, man. I've watched a lot of your live stuff, so yeah, you have like so much energy. Like, uh, yeah, it really translates. I just enjoy it. I just enjoy it over there. As as I told you, a stage for me is home. You know. I like being on stage. It's easy for me. It's people say, "Oh, how hard it is." That's not the hard part. The hard part is the flying, the getting there, the the preparations. Being on stage for me is the easiest part ever. I like being on stage, and uh, I always put out my my highest energy there because I I enjoy it, you know. And and people uh, hopefully enjoy what they see. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what they're doing there. And um, you know, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's fun. It's back and forth between a crowd and yourself. So I get a lot of it, and uh, and I take it back home and produce more. Yeah, I really like. Yeah, you said that. Uh, I really like that. You said there's like you you feed off the the energy of the audience. One hundred percent. Back in the studio. That's why I made a dance floor track for people to dance. And when they do dance, and when you see it, and when they go so bonkers on a track, you go like, oh, that's what I was. You know, that's what I did it for. You know, and then you have the power to do another one, and and it's a it's a cycle between a crowd and 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 the band, and and we've been lucky enough to have it for so many years. And that's why we continue and producing produce music. Excellent, and um, yeah, I think you you are an incredible frontman, and also Erez as well. He does his own thing, which is which uh, you know takes skill and takes perseverance, and um, he's like a MIDI machine with his hand, isn't he? He's a like, monster on the keyboard, a very unique player, and not only player, he's a very uh, unique producer with a very small tension to little details and um he he takes that side of infected mushroom i take more of the front power energy side and combine together that what makes infected mushroom and then you add the drummer and a guitarist and it becomes a full cycle of a band but um again me and Erez, we are the guys that sit from the beginning of each track together and then until the f- the final product and uh we've been used to walking like this for years now through the pandemic because he lives like one and a half hours from when we walk like this studio wise and then we meet once in a while but again the chemistry is there and it's uh it's we have fun doing music 
That is incredible. I mean, the partnership you've had over so many years um, to still being creative, to to still be like, yeah, because I think to be creative, you have to, you know, you have to feel comfortable and you have to feel excited too. You, oh, you know, 100%. It's you know, it's not, you, you have to be, to, to make music, I always tell people, you have to have two of the other moods. One is be very depressed because a lot of the music that I've done very depressed, my wife says is the best thing I ever did or very happy which is again you have to be in a state of a mood to do music you know each musician to his own uh but again for me uh, and i always say for me i for me coming into a studio doesn't matter which mood i am is is an escape room you know i escape from whatever and and i sit here and not always something great comes out of it but the best time was spent here so uh, I have a very unique studio now where I'm sitting at in my home in LA. It's my escape room and I come here every day. doesn't matter if I produce. Sometimes I come only to watch a movie here, you know, because I like being in this studio. And it's, it, you, you need to have a, a nice place for yourself. doesn't matter if it's a fancy studio or not, just to escape and produce music. And, and I've, I've been lucky enough to do it until today. Nice one. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Um, yeah, it looks incredible. Very new. Uh, we call it the cabin. It has a, a vibe of Switzerland. You don't see behind me. There is a window that watches the mountains. So that's why we call it the cabin. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's fun and games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could be on the Alps or something. Correct, you know? correct. Which I'm not. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. That's great. Yeah, I think music for a lot of people, certainly for myself over the years, has... Um, yeah, it's definitely taken me through dark times and, and allowed me to escape whatever happening, whatever boring or mundane or irritating stuff is happening in my life. Just getting in front of some speakers and some synths and playing around. It's yeah, it's really. Yeah, that's it's all we really want to do. You know, that's a musician. That's that's your goal. And that's where I, I, I want to be. And, and I'm lucky enough to have done it until today. Excellent, man. Excellent. So, um, yeah, you are now sort of like a live, a live show with with drummer and and guitarist. <clears throat> You've also done some um, like three D projection Correct. performances Correct. recently. Yeah. So that was with a company called V Squared. Correct. V Squared, v -Squared yeah. and uh, Vita Motus, which also built the pods. Uh, she's amazing. She does so many art exhibitions around the world. She built some of the Boom Festival areas and Coachella, and she built the spheres, v, uh, Vita Motus, and, uh, and then V-Squad Lab made the projection mapping, and together with Infected, we had a show called The Fungus Among Us. We ran that show for like three years all over the United States. It was a bus tour, very hardcore, and I enjoyed it. Then it came to another show called Animatronica, where we had robotic mushrooms that were built by the guys from Burning Man that built the Pupa octopus and everything. So they built us a, a, a mechanical moving mushroom, and that was the Animatronica tour. So each, each few years, we go on a massive tour with a crazy stage. It's fun and games, but it's also so much walk and time-consuming. Um, but it's fun. Again, it's something different for the crowd to see behind us. Um, and besides the music elements over the years, the visual element became so important to people when they're there. So uh, uh, I, we were lucky to work with so much talented crews here, all based in LA, to take our sound and put it in a visual uh, environment. Uh, so it was projection mapping, it was the spheres, robotic mushrooms, and uh, we'll see what comes up next uh, after this pandemic. We'll see, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, I think I think you've done tremendously well. You've always sort of changed and adapted and evolved as as a as a as a duo, and um, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the one of your strengths is the ability to embrace change and to keep evolving and moving forward. Correct. Yeah, we we've been blessed enough to 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 kind of you know uh, be productive, check around a lot of other talented people, and you know mix art and visual with the music because it gave it a little bit more of a broad span to to audience absolutely and do you have do you personally have any sort of life mantra do you have any sort of um philosophy for life that you take with you for me i keep it simple and i always tell people enjoy the really small things in life you know me there's nothing better than my shot of espresso in the morning and then my walk with the dog, and I'm talking pandemic-wise, or because that's what I do now. Uh, or, uh, you know, I enjoy very simple things in life, and then I don't over-drama or take other stuff very serious. Because, you know, in these times, or especially in the musician life, the, the mental aspect of the journey is very hard. A lot of people lose it along the way. They become depressed. They become... A little bit scared, they become because it's a tough, it's a tough cycle, um, being a musician, being around the world, and especially in those days. But for me, I try to enjoy the little stuff, and the little stuff are always there in the good times and in the bad times. So if you enjoy those, and these are the what the things you care about, then everything else is just a picture, you know, and it goes by. And this is how I live my life for years, and I've, and I've. Well, I I I I don't want to say I've succeeded, but I'm I'm happy here today. So and I ha- and I was happy uh, 20 years ago. So I still keep uh, uh, longevity of uh, touring and enjoying myself and life. And of course, I have my kids and family today, so I'm in a different place a little bit, uh, and they keep me happy and younger. I watch basketball with them. We we. We fun DJ together as a practice, and this is a different time, you know. But again, I try to enjoy the little stuff, and I always, and I always try to be positive every day. Excellent, man. That's incredible. Um, yeah, you mentioned that you have seven kids. You got seven quids between you and Eris. Correct. Four Let's kids, Eris. Three kids, me. It's that's it's a bus. It's a full bus. Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic to talk to you today. I really appreciate speaking to you. It's, it's my pleasure. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, when it all comes back, um, it's going to be incredible, and I'm sure you're gonna. That sober guy who's in, maybe that sober guy's not going to be there when you when you. No, return. maybe he's not going to be sober. That guy, <laughs> yeah, because that it's guy. after pandemic, he wants to kind of blow out steam and everything. You never know who's going to be sober and who's not. But anyways, yeah. you know, I'm I'm super looking forward to going back. And uh, hopefully soon. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you very much for speaking to it's me. It's my today. pleasure. Keep safe in the UK. Amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. Have a good one. What a guy. Uh, really, really, really enlightening chat uh, with Zavdev. I have to be honest, you know, speaking to artists like that, they're so huge. Um, it's easy to get a little bit nervous, but he made me feel so at ease and um, such a warm, welcoming, uh, talkative guy, very open about his things. Um, I could see and I can see why they've been so successful uh, just off the back of his personality, his character, his drive and his love for weird sounds, inevitably. 
So yeah, that's it for this show. Thanks again for listening. Please do donate if you can. Uh, on the show next month or week, whatever happens, uh, we're speaking to a guy who really knows his synths. He really knows his plugins too. There might be a hint to who's coming on. Um, yeah, well, thank you very much for listening. I'm Midiera, and hopefully I'll see you again soon.